welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David? Yes. How you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, all right. Yeah, it's uh, it's officially spring, even though it uh, doesn't feel like it. Is it officially spring? When's the first day of spring? I, it's been spring. It was like the 19th or whatever, and we're oh, recording geez. on the 30th. Okay. But uh, yeah, we had, uh, I mean, we ended like the official winter time right. with like three days of pure summer like 85 yeah. degree days yeah no thank and then you as soon as it became spring it got like the weather got shy again yeah and now it's like it's very chilly. blustery it's blustery it's day super blustery yeah <laughs> um, i'm talking about like the the tone of political commentary <laughs> exactly very blustery um let's pay some bills absolutely so this episode is brought to you by Devotion, a short film by, by Victoria Angelique. The film is about Rebecca, a concert pianist in 1960s England who becomes pregnant. Between 1926 and 1976, the United Kingdom would force single pregnant women to place their children up for adoption. Rebecca, not wanting to give up her child, attempts to hide her from, sorry, hide her from the government with the aid of her midwife, Catherine, who risks imprisonment just for helping her. Um... So, uh, I've, as I said last week, I've seen this film. I really like it. It's about 15 minutes long. Uh, you know, it's a low budget film, but it's, it's a period film. It's black and white. It's often quite beautiful. Uh, I think it's really great. So please do check it out. If you're a fan of short films, I think you'll like it quite a bit. Uh, and you can click on the ad at battleshippretension.com to, uh, find a, a YouTube, uh, link. So, okay. This episode is also brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a handpicked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Currently available on Mubi is Ulrich Seidel's Paradise Trilogy, uh, which he did over the course of 2012 and 2013. Sure. Uh, his film love faith and hope so that's paradise love paradise faith paradise hope um so they're all there uh they're considered shocking provocative and at times surprisingly tender but as far as i can tell that is the exception uh shocking and provocative (laughs) seems to be uh what people talk about when they uh, discuss these films so uh so uh and it is uh i've heard about these movies for the last few years uh they're considered we've we've run reviews of them at battleshipretention.com uh, they are considered required viewing for modern film fans. And there is a special offer for you, the listener of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for one month. Just go to Mubi.com. That's M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship to redeem now. Please check them out. Mubi is great. Uh, you know what else is great? What's that? Having the ability to hear your podcast or your music, whatever you're mm. listening to, in in uh, crystal clear uh, uh, quality and looking great while doing it. And if you want sure. all those things to be, do you want people to say things uh, like that about you behind your back? Like that guy looks great listening to good music. Oh, David, I was at the gym today. Uh-huh. I pulled, out, I pulled out the earbuds. Oh, I didn't get stone silent. Like once I pulled them out, <laughs> no one was saying anything. Everyone was just looking at me. It was kind of like uh, invasion of the body snatchers. Sure. They just like pointed and screamed, but like it was a good scream. So if you want to have this kind of experience, if you want uh, uh, earbuds that look and sound that good, you, you're going to want to go over to tweakedaudio.com, which is where you get professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Uh, Tyler and I use them each and every day and they're all available at a low, low price over at tweakedaudio.com. Mm-hmm. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension all right 
What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. All right. Okay. Tyler. Yes. There was something we were talking about with our guest, right? Yes, Off indeed. mic, and I said, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> That's podcast fodder. Yeah, right you really there. jumped on it. In yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah stamped we, it out. We do a lot of that. Save it for the show. Exactly. Yeah. So, Tyler, quickly, who was who our guest so we can get to this hot topic? Well, uh, a little bit of background. Uh, so, this episode goes up at the tail end of WonderCon. And so, we wanted, well, I mean... WonderCon is over by the time this goes up, but we're in a a nerdy mood. Yeah. And so uh, we thought we should pick a topic that is particularly nerdy and we should have a nerd on. (laughs) And so uh, we thought like, well, who are the nerds we know? And it uh, turns out That's everyone we know. Yeah. There's not uh, kids in the hall sketch. <laughs> the these, these are the nerds I know. <laughs> uh, that is a, see, and that is something that a comedy nerd would say. But this is not a pure comedy show. We also need a film nerd. Now, if only there were some kind of comedy film nerd that we could have on. Wait a minute, there is. His name is Chris Mancini, and he's here right now. Chris, how you doing? Great to be here, guys. Thanks for inviting me. All the way from ComedyFilmNerds.com. Yes. Yes. Yeah, all the way. And an undisclosed location, also in the Valley. Yeah. somewhere yeah <laughs> uh, all uh, the best film podcasts are in the valley that's what i think i think i, I think that's i think that's true um uh, yeah, I'm you immediately know, running through my head being like, okay, what are the film podcasts I know? <laughs> and I thought, well, there's these two and you know what? This story checks out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was thinking? Uh, normally I would save this for later, but uh, we've got some commentaries, marathon commentaries you can buy. Right. We have a bunch. We have new ones. And one of the movies we watched was Independence Day. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say this while we were doing the commentary, but it occurred to me if the aliens came and blew up, you know, Los Angeles, starting with the U.S. Bank Tower, sure. like they do in the movie, we'd probably all be okay, right? Yeah, I think Over we're going to make the, it. The other yeah. side of the hill, <laughs> yeah. we're probably fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and is that really that iconic of a building? Uh, that, yeah. that, it's not like Capitol Records. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not even, yeah, it's not going to be a big hit to our Chinese. morale yeah, either. <laughs> exactly. Like, Yay, bank. They, these aliens get it. <laughs> it's like, See, oh, these banks are occupying Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, for more banter like this, make sure you pick up those, uh, those new commentaries. But no, that's not what I wanted to talk about. And we will talk about them later uh, we will talk about the commentaries later um what i wanted to talk about what you guys were talking about no i haven't seen kong skull island yep. uh jordan vote vote roberts new film um but uh, i i am to understand there is a a post credits scene uh yes yes uh, uh uh what do you call those a sting stinger stinger, stinger. yeah um uh, although they used to be stingers, now they're trailers. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. This. Is, oh, now we're into it. Okay. You are speaking David's language yeah, to see him. Were, um, 
it, you were saying that you had missed yes. the one at Kongs Island. Because I went said, to Skull Island because I have two children at 12 and 8. And at first, going in, I was like, you know, I was a little worried about my 8-year-old boy. And it was like, maybe it might be a little too violent. The other thing I think of, too, is because I am a conscientious moviegoer, um, bringing kids into a show maybe, you know, it should be here. I don't want to disturb the other people in the movie mm. theater. When the, I first saw you walk in, I remember yes. thinking like, hey, it's Chris. And he's bringing his kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope yeah. he so sits. Tyler in the movie theater. <laughs> yeah. and, and Tyler, you will back me up on this. The movie theater, mostly children. It yeah. was full of children. I was really worried. <laughs> like when the when the lights started dimming, I yeah. thought like this yeah, could like, be a problem. Is, are we, you know, did I did I accidentally pick Beauty and the Beast? Are we in the wrong theater? So yeah, because um, I was going to say, I know now I'm getting off topic, but a room full of children isn't necessarily a bad thing if it's a children's movie. That can right, be a lot of sure, fun. Correct. I remember correct. one of the. I'm a big proponent uh, of uh, age appropriate media content for children. Yeah. Because uh, I, I, the thing that convinced me of this, I remember this is going back ten years now. Um, uh, when I went, I wanted to see Meet the Robertsons mm-hmm. at the at the El Capitan, right. which I used to live in, you know, walking distance of. Uh, and I was like, I, I was working at the Arclay at the time, didn't have a regular day job, so I was like, I'm going to wait till like a Tuesday matinee, so yeah. I have to see with all these kids. Well, it turned out it was literally ten years ago because it was spring break. Everyone right. kids <laughs> and it was fifteen hundred kids, yes. and I was yeah. like, oh boy. And then I ended up having a blast because the yeah. kids were super into it. Yeah. So. So, so I, I went into the uh, movie. Now, after two hours, we were done. You have two mm-hmm. children, two hours. That That's your tick, 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 boom. You know, there's the attention. <laughs> the attention span is done. It doesn't matter how great the movie is. So we're walking out. You know, I don't know if there's a... I don't, I don't know at this point is there a stinger, a scene at the end. Chances are there are, but... We're not going to see it. We we have other things to do. The kids want to go home. We're done. They enjoyed the film. And um, I was talking on the podcast. I was like, you know, there was a couple of loose ends that were definitely not tied up. I mean, it was a little bit messy of a movie uh, as far as like some setup and, and payoff. And it feels like the first act, like there was about eight different things going on. And then they all just kind of unraveled. Now, that being said, I did like the film. It was a fun popcorn monstery movie, you know, uh, with the, the whole apocalypse. Apocalypse Now um, mm-hmm. thing that even with the point of some of the shot for shots of from Apocalypse Now was yeah. hilarious and entertaining to me. And a couple of the fans tweeted, it's like, well, yeah, the end credit sequence kind of tied up some of these loose ends. And I was thinking if it was that important, it should have been in the film. You know, you can't keep doing this uh, with movies where the movie has to be a self-contained thing. You know, if you want to set up maybe a sequel or something else, but it can't actually be part of the story. Yes. You know, your your last part of your uh, your stinger. Like, um, great stingers are just, are just like um, if you're a video gamer. Mm-hmm. additional content like uh-huh. downloadable content oh, i already got the main game i loved it we played through the story in fun. oh this is bonus content i get to enjoy it a little bit more but it's not necessary for me to enjoy the main game slash movie so i'm getting irritated that yeah. it, it becomes more and more important that you have to stay through the credits to watch these that's stingers. why my favorite one ever is still the avengers from 2012 which is one that it doesn't have anything to do with the plot it's just right. it's another like it's a callback to a joke that didn't it's yeah. a great callback Mm-hmm. But it didn't need to be called back for the for you yeah. to get it. It's no. not like it's a it's almost that was hanging out there. It's a tag. Yes. Uh, yeah. Tag. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Th- those uh, are the best stingers. But yeah. uh, I was. So I still haven't seen the Kong stinger. I don't even know what it is. Uh, well, I don't. You probably shouldn't. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. But you probably shouldn't say on the podcast what it is. But it, it's something everyone can guess. It's I guessed it. Everyone can guess it. It's literally like 
Yeah, all right. The 2014 Godzilla and this King Kong, they exist in the same universe. universe and then right. they see all these cave drawings of like Mothra, King Ghidra, like Godzilla villains. Right. Um, and so, you know, the theater so is very excited for it. epic team up. Now we or, have uh, now we have a uh, a GCU a Godzilla cinematic universe <laughs> yeah which and, and I gotta KCU. say I feel right. like artistically that's gonna wear thin right because in the end like Thor is different as a character right than you know Iron Man right when it comes right down to it Godzilla King Ghidra Mothra King Kong I mean they're all just big monsters that blow things up you're saying that to, to play, they, to play they, devil's they, advocate hasn't the total franchise they like, have fought, you know King Kong and Godzilla have fought in the past and, and it's existed as essentially uh, an extended universe in Japan for half uh, of a century yes <laughs> that is true but you know what I what I'll say is as strange as this may sound and this is a theory I'm coming up with right now. Okay. So don't More hold me to it. Let's say hypothesis. Yeah, it's not a theory. You yet. haven't even tested By it. By the um, way, that stinger doesn't surprise me at all, but yeah. now, now, now I don't have to see it. What else could it be? Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and so I do think that those work partially because, you know, they're, they were a little bit low budget and they were charming. And when it comes right down to it, like it was guys in suits fighting in the midst of like models of cities. Whereas I feel like, Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like big CG monsters after a certain point, I feel like you get you get bored with that. I feel like a common thing, even amongst comic book nerds who like Avengers and and even stuff like Man of Steel and stuff. After a while, even they said, we're getting tired of seeing cities fall down. You know? Yeah. How many times can you blow up a city in one summer? Like yeah. it's not even yeah. just like in, in you know and then then this year oh we get to see this no it's like every summer there's yeah. like six movies that you know stuff blows up yeah. real that, good that's I've uh, I think I railed on this 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 past summer but I'm sick of every superhero movie being them literally saving the world like right. that's yeah. why I like I, I kind of stopped watching superhero movies I still like superhero comics because no, you might like Logan um, well we'll get to Logan yeah um, <laughs> which I haven't seen but I, I like superhero comics because occasionally like yeah they'll have a you know, a nemesis or whatever, but right. it's a, it's a story that's about them, the superheroes. It's you know, not about them I, I want I saving the entire world. Backtrack one second to, uh, now the, the King Kong and Godzilla are in, um, the same universe. What about Pacific Rim? Or is that all one now? Or they could that, work it in. Yeah. They Although I don't in. know. I never keep track <laughs> well, of what a, studios own what. And right. so I don't um, know. Well, if they you've already make, got a problem there because there's an actress, I think who was in Kong skull Island and in Pacific Rim. 2. Really? Uh, the the Chinese woman who was in The Great Wall, who played Commander oh, Lee. Yeah. Oh, okay. they could Commander figure Lee. that out. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't think. I, I, yeah, I guess you have to have the twin uh, sister. Twin yeah. yeah, it's very simple. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they've um, had bigger problems than that. Yeah. And they've yeah. sorted but, it out. But I'm glad you brought up Logan because this is. I still haven't seen it, but this is what got this on my mind so much lately. I went to I went to uh, with my with my wife Natalie to the uh the lemley noho seven uh our favorite theater um because we can walk to it um uh to see get out and at the i can't remember if it was at the box office or at the ticket tearing thing there was a hand like a printed out sign that the people at the theater had made that said logan does not have a post credit scene and i fucking gritted my teeth <laughs> and i was like that's so and i was like i was like look at this fucking shit like it's so expected now that they yeah. have to like make apologies for not and i think natalie was like changing the subject <laughs> she was like don't no, i don't apology, want this to ruin our night like, i don't know but, I, to me that's a uh, that's like a public service like oh i can leave now 
Right. I don't have to wait yeah, for anything. See, I, yeah. I'm sure for them, it's just like, we just want to get in and clean the theater. I, I do yeah. understand yeah. that. But, um, <laughs> but I guess I'm coming at from it from as someone who nine times out of 10 stays through the credits anyway, because I just sure. like that. Like I like when a movie's over, uh, obviously I don't have kids that need to get to the, yes. to the car. <laughs> I like when a movie's over to have time before sure. I'm back out into the harsh fluorescent lights of the corridor or whatever to think about the movie. Um, uh, you like some David movie time at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I get, I get it. So I guess I'm staying through the credits uh, anyway, and it feels. Uh, and that, that sign was paired with multiple like uh, of the like film blogs that I read having stories like James Mangold addresses why there isn't a post credit scene ah, at the end of Logan, yes, and it seems it's like a big big controversy. Why yeah, because it's been it's become expected now, and I yeah. uh, and I find that kind of uh, annoying. Anyway. <laughs> yeah no it's i i don't know if i would find it annoying if if someone is saying why doesn't it have this that's when it becomes an issue because the theater doing it for practical purposes i get but when somebody is asking a director why didn't you do this thing that everybody else is doing like i can't think of a lot of other examples of that um and you sometimes know. it's completely unnecessary remember that uh what was that movie with uh, uh liam neeson and the wolves oh yeah uh, the gray the gray and literally the stinger <clears throat> was just like the wolf, um, the uh, breathing in and out for like a second. That was <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're like lying next. <laughs> I think they're lying next to each other. To each other yeah, and you ostensibly the, dead. Yeah, but, but maybe the wolf spoilers isn't. Spoilers. Yeah, sorry for mm-hmm. Joe Carnahan's the gray. Is that right? Is it? Yeah, that is that? Joe Carnahan. I forgot. In in some ways, I like the gray most yeah, it was more like than Narc most people. With wolves. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're making fun of Narc now, yeah. which I don't like. Which I don't like at all because I love that movie. No, no, I was making fun of the gray. Understood. Now is, that's yeah. understandable. Narc is a good movie. Fast, cheap, and out of wolves. Yeah, <laughs> that, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work. just plug the word wolves in. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm liking um, this though. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, All right, so I think we addressed the credits thing. I would yes, like to yes. uh, do what we Lock, usually do. Lock, and two smoking wolves. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, oh, man, this is good. Hang on, let me look at my movie wall here and see what we got. Well, uh, uh, wolf ass? That doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> I just saw kick ass on my shelf, that's all. Um, all right. Let's talk about, before we get into the main topic, Indeed. I want to point uh, people's attention to what's on, on the website this week. Indeed. Uh, you've got... Um, I reviewed the Criterion release of uh, the Spanish film The Executioner, which I talked mm-hmm. about in last week's movie journal. Uh, Sarah is still working her way through our top 100, talking about uh, the bridge on the River Kwai and Duck Soup. Um, hot take on Duck Soup from Sarah. Uh, hot take. What? <laughs> what is the hot take? I guess I'll have to go to the website. Yeah, and you'll see. have to go to the website and, and see. Um, uh, the sequel cast is is doing their, uh, their um, I guess, second in a row looking at recent remakes of franchises last right. week they talked about robocop this week they're talking about ghost but the 2016 ghostbusters uh alexander uh alex um wrote a uh a sort of uh think piece i guess not, not a think piece but a an, an article i guess about the different portrayals of john dillinger yeah it's over, really over the history of uh uh, of movies, uh, West looks at the music of Bottle Rocket and uh, at musical notation. Uh, Alex talks about Dragon Inn in his Criterion prediction, and there's reviews this week of. Um well, I guess the only really reviewed this week is uh, Jim reviewed the new David Lynch documentary, The Art Life, which is right. very timely given all the uh, press about the upcoming uh, Twin Peaks 
uh, reboot. Indeed. Um, and uh, yeah, that's those are just some of the things you can find uh, on the website. And as always, if you live in Los Angeles or Chicago, our uh, reports are very um, helpful guides to what's going on in the week of repertory screenings in those two those two cities. So that's what's going on on the on the website right now. What do you want to talk about? Well, there's also, of course our new commentaries, which we talked about briefly uh, for a moment there. Uh, so yeah, we, every once in a while we will do commentaries that are, uh, there's a theme. The movies aren't necessarily related, but there is a, a common theme. And so this time they, these are the, uh, the space invader commentaries. And so we've got, we talk about the thing, John Carpenter's the thing. We talk about predator independence, John McTiernan's predator. predator, Roland Emmerich's independence day. Yeah, somehow it and, just feels wrong uh, to say that he owns something, but it's absolutely his. And I mean, I mean, the guy is for as much as I don't like his movies, there is a thing. There is a certain like parameters of a Roland Emmerich movie. That is true. Point. Yes. Uh, and then there's anonymous, which is yes. a weird outlier. Yes. Um, and yeah, we ended with uh, M night Shyamalan's signs from yes. 2002. So we had a lot of great guests. Guests. We had a lot of great uh, conversations. Uh, some people, Especially during Independence Day, I would say uh, a lot of our guests really loved it, and they, in some cases, they kind of, kind of swayed me to liking it more than I thought. And in other cases, all I had to do is point out what was being said, <laughs> and I won. Yeah, um, not that it's a competition. So those are uh, available now. If, if if you're listening to this now, you're you're too late on our uh, yeah. ten year anniversary sale. It was all of March, and you couldn't get off your lazy ass to spend twenty five bucks for all of our premium content ever, or I mean, up to that point. Uh, but now you can start fresh. Uh, for just ten bucks, you can get these uh, four commentaries. It's like eight, you know, over eight hours. Yeah, about eight and a um, half hours. About eight and a half hours. Where, of where do people go to the commentaries? Battleshipretention dot com. It's Battleshipretention dot com. It's making sure, guys. The uh, <laughs> the ad on the right side of the screen. Those aren't those aren't called banner ads. They're called skyscraper ads when Indeed. they're on the along the side. Apparently, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, they're. Uh, I'm sure you can buy them individually uh, yes. if you're bad with money. But uh, obviously, the, I don't know how much, how much are they individually. They're three dollars individually. 10 bucks together so, so you save a couple of dollars you save a couple of bucks and you get it makes sense to batch it uh, yes. I think and, so. and also that's how they're designed to be heard we record them we do literal mar- marathons we watch yeah. them back to back to back and it's just me and tyler yeah. you know um you know eating crackers and uh, <laughs> watching tv <laughs> while our guests uh rotate favorite guests rotate in and out at uh, 30 to 45 minute uh intervals some of them hang out uh yeah, yeah we, we i mean we have uh I mean, for all of Predator, we have uh, uh, one person just stayed for the entire movie. Yep. Uh, someone who has, yeah, that'll, that'll be a fun surprise. Someone who hasn't been on the podcast for a long, long time. Long time. Uh, so it was good to have that person back. So that's available at battleshipretention.com. Yeah. Uh, so click on the Space Invaders, right? That's the, the, the yeah. little graphic you made, Space Invaders graphic, on the right side of the screen. Okay. And I, and I do always enjoy uh, here when we have a fellow podcaster on, uh, because you're helping us along with the pushing of the, uh, <laughs> exactly. of the it's like, now where would people yeah. find that product? <laughs> so I wonder if, if I'm a consumer <laughs> and I were looking for these products, where specifically, how easy it for me to spend money? <laughs> you almost went into like infomercial. Yeah. Now I, my yeah. wife is always yeah. talking yeah. about how she can't watch Independence Day with with yeah. comedic voices. I yeah. can never find commentary on the movies I want. <laughs> there Where must, would there, I go? There has to be a better yeah. way. Yeah. Cuts to black and white footage of somebody just <laughs> dropping a bunch of DVDs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, 
All right, let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Yes. You, you said, Tyler, uh, that we wanted to have a uh, a nerdy topic, and uh, or I think that was actually my idea. I was like, hey, this yes. is going to be the WonderCon week. We'll do an actual actual WonderCon wrap up next week, but um, this is going to be the WonderCon week. Let's talk about something nerdy. And you were like, here's something I've been thinking about, and that is, well, uh, I'm going to say it my way. Okay. Uh, superhero movies of the 20th century. Sure. So this is basically, we're drawing the line basically, basically like pre X-Men is what we're saying. Right. I'm, I'm willing to stop. I'm willing to include X-Men, but so yes. I feel like X-Men is where the, the worm turned as it were. I as think it were. So. Let's, and let's pass this off to, to our, to our guest. Um, do you, Agree that the, the, the boom of comic book movies, as we the, the, the glut of them, we're lousy with comic book movies right now. Does that start with uh, 2000s X-Men? Uh, I think it does. I think it really puts them on the map. And the thing is, too, the, the comic book, uh, I wouldn't say comic book, but the superhero specifically, boom, isn't just in movies. It's all over television now, too. Yeah. So I think yeah. we're in this golden age of not just scripted television, but of specifically superhero movies and TV shows. There were never this many. Like, you were lucky if you got one superhero movie a summer, uh, and then mostly it was like one every other summer. I'm like, great, we get yeah. one superhero movie, uh-huh. and we hope it's going to be good. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, when you get back to the um, Michael Keaton Batmans, they don't quite hold up. As uh, but I remember how excited I was. <laughs> you're you're getting into, into his skin here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, like when, especially with just the weirdness of Tim Burton and Batman, and I just I remember seeing it uh, for the first time, and uh, uh, one of our writers, uh, Neil Weekly, I remember we saw it, you know we saw it years ago when it first came out. Um, he was saying that, wow, that was everything I wanted and more. And one of the reasons was we were so starving for a good superhero movie Mm -hmm. at that time. Um, it was, it was phenomenal. And, uh, I I think X-Men really put it on the map because it was, uh, a giant budget. Not that Batman wasn't, but, um, it, it was the first time that, uh, a comic book movie, that didn't have like an iconic Batman, Superman, something that was maybe all the, that more people knew, like a, I guess you could call it brand awareness for right. superheroes. X-Men was a comic book that a lot of people read, mm-hmm. but you even had like movie, movie executives, um, you know, that greenlit the movie didn't know who the X-Men were, you know, yeah. you have, you had this, um, but I wonder if that's that because they were older, they were maybe, they were maybe the age I am now, but, uh, as someone who was a kid in the '90s, the X-Men animated series was yeah, was, was a, a big huge deal, deal uh, yeah. for for us, and so it uh, it 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 didn't feel that obscure to me, of course, when X-Men came out because me and most of my friends but had X-Men grown up watching also, the exploits of Gambit and yeah, but also you, <laughs> also with X-Men, you've got a million characters. Right. You know, when yeah. you have a Batman movie, you have Batman. When you have Superman, you have Superman. You have Lex yeah. Luthor or whatever. When you have X-Men. Well, who's in the X-Men? That's like the first question of somebody who doesn't uh, um, know who the characters are. And uh, the other thing is like the Avengers, where you have, let's call it just a rotating cast. You know, sure. you have, you know, the original, it's like Justice League. You have the founding members and you have people that, that come in and out. And that's all uh, good and fine and superhero-y. But I really felt like uh, 
um, X-Men, X-Men 2, and then uh, I will give Brett Ratner some credit. He almost ruined the entire superhero uh, franchise <laughs> and uh, momentum with X-Men 3. That was one of the worst movies ever. It's almost uh, an and, achievement. Yeah, it uh, really is. It's like, okay, and yet well, it was a record-breaking only... box office. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Because uh, it was built on the first right, two. Right, right. Uh, it, you know, it's like it's like Blair Witch. Like, uh, right. Blair Witch made a ton of money, but not everyone who saw it liked it. Uh, right. So... You you look at X Men three and you see everything that was wrong with uh, making superhero movies by studios, and it was doing the opposite of everything that was being done right for the first two. You have um, a director who knew nothing and had no understanding of the characters, mm-hmm. and also or the storylines or plot, and realized, well, I'm just going to kill off a bunch of iconic characters, and it yeah. really doesn't matter uh, because I don't really know or care who these characters are. Um, and uh, thank God no other filmmakers are doing that, Zack Snyder. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's good to see that filmmakers are really uh, on board with these characters. You can see, it's such a simple formula. <laughs> Hire a director... That has a passion for the actual material. You know, it, it's it can be a superhero movie, comedy, horror. It doesn't matter. But especially for superhero movies, like when that Green Lantern movie came out, what studio executive was going, get me the director of Vertical Limit? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, you know, if but you have Sam Raimi, who loved right. Spider-Man yeah. growing up as a kid and, uh, you know, just absolutely loved it. And you could see the passion going into Spider-Man 1 and spider-man and to, 2 uh, i'll mention today to date the day that we're recording this it was announced uh that uh joss whedon may be making a batgirl movie for yeah for warner brothers which is intriguing that sounds cool to me yeah yeah, um, yeah we'll see if it happens yeah exactly just like the joss whedon wonder woman movie yeah um but, warner, uh, warner brothers will find a way to ruin it sure. the way they ruin everything um but uh they're getting good at it. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about uh brian singer's x-men and then we, we can go back to the actual topic but i think the thing that signaled to me like uh, especially in retrospect but i think even at the time that this was a new era was that this is a superhero comic book movie that starts off in a concentration camp it was yes. like immediately yeah. he was saying we're taking this seriously and yeah. i think that that set and the, the tone effects for a were good. i mean you yeah. know when when you watch any movie you know five ten years old there you you see the uh the cracks and the seams and the effects. But when they come out at the time, especially I remember with X-Men, uh, the original one, when Magneto turned all the guns around on the uh-huh. uh, yeah. police, like the audience like cheered, like we'd never seen like images like that before, like in like, yeah, we get to see Magneto and we get to see these crazy magnetic powers that we've only seen in comic books or in animation before. We're getting yeah. to finally see this in live action. I definitely, I was, I was 18 when the movie came out. I grew up reading X-Men and then I, I was anticipating the animated series cause I read the comics. Um, and, uh, and yeah, there was part of me that just, even at 18, I mean, by this time I am a movie guy. Like uh-huh. I, I was excited to see, you know, eyes wide shut in the theater and stuff like that. But then One of the first conversations you and I ever had was about eyes wide shut, by the way. Did we like it? Yeah. Oh, good. Um, it's <laughs> a weird thing to ask, yeah. uh, <laughs> but the, the, the kid inside me was just like, Holy shit, I'm about to see Wolverine, like a live action Wolverine for the first time. I'm going to see his claws yeah, uh-huh. and I'm going to see like some director's interpretation of the, right. this, you know, it was always snicked uh-huh. S N I K T. And so I was like, all right, what's that going to translate out to? And a, how are they going to retract? How's it going to look? How are they yeah. going to do his hair, his mutton chops? Is he going to yeah. be short? You yeah. know, all those things go through your head. And, 
and I actually think that, and so let's, I'll use this to get us sort of into the, the topic, uh, proper because I do think that X-Men changed things because up until then, like Superman, he looks like Superman, Batman, his, his costume isn't blue and gray, it's black, but he still has the cowl, he still has the cape and the emblem. The X-Men, there's, there's no yellow mm-hmm. in there. I mean, they even make a joke about it. Yeah, you know, nobody's right. wearing a cowl. Everybody's face is pretty much exposed. And so, and you mentioned it starts with the Holocaust. There seemed to be this, this idea that, okay, we're taking superhero movies seriously and we're going to try and ground them in this reality. Now, I think Sam Raimi went a little bit went a different route with Spider-Man, but between X-Men and Spider-Man, you kind of had the, the two different tones that would dictate superhero movies for years to come until I'd say probably Batman begins and certainly dark Knight when Mm -hmm. everything had to be gritty. And then, and so yeah, there's always been the the two uh, actually now that I think about it. Now wasn't the Punisher in there somewhere? The original Punisher with Dolph Lundgren? Like that was in the eighties. That was 89. That was the same year as Batman. Yeah, that was, uh, now here's the interesting thing about this. There, there's no way you could use the word good to describe that movie. Sure. (laughs) However, it is definitely a guilty pleasure. And one of the reasons is too, it was a comic book movie that was, um, quote, a superhero movie rated R, right. mm-hmm. ultra violent, and you had a character that um, Dolph Lundgren, he freaking looked like Frank Castle. He did. He, it was like uncanny. Like it looked like somebody drew him into the movie. And um, and just that, that haunted darkness that was inside him. Every once in a while that came out into the movie. I'm like, oh, you know what? This wasn't you know, this wasn't a horrible interpretation of this character. And I love too, like when Deadpool came out, I was like, Oh, see, comic book movies can be rated R. I'm like, no, they've been rated R for many, many years. We've yeah. had how many Punisher movies? Yeah, yeah. they've you all know, been it's, R. It's like, it's in, like, it's like, that, like that's the, you know, the, the headline is always, this is the first one. No, it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. made a bunch of money. There's yeah. that. Yeah, yeah exactly. So if it makes a bunch of money, that makes it the first right. one, yeah. I guess. <laughs> we had three, three blades. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all are. Yeah, and so, uh, so the reason that this topic came about, oddly enough, is because I was uh, TAing a class for uh, a, a film history class, and uh, one of the topics that was thrown out for the second paper, which has to cover anything between 1940 and 2000. So someone said, "Well, how about superhero movies?" And I said, "Okay, well," and this is you know an 18 year old, mm-hmm. and so I said, "You do need to keep in mind that this is." You can't talk about anything after 2000. And immediately she was like, oh, oh. And I said, <laughs> I said, but I assure you, there were plenty of them before 2000. They did exist. <laughs> and they were fascinating. Yeah. Now, I'd say they're pretty homogenized for the most part. But in the between, you know, for me, I would, I, I kind of start with the 78 Superman right. and move forward. And just like, they're so distinct and so strange. Mm-hmm. There was no, these weren't necessarily for kids. They were for all ages. Kids could enjoy them. But you know, I was seven when Batman came out, right? I was super excited to see it and I loved it when I saw it. And there are things about it. I still love, but like that's, that has, that's a, that's a superhero movie with its roots in German expressionism. Right. Like, <laughs> that's it, Nobody knew what a superhero movie was. So it was everything. Yeah. And it was kind of great. It was a wonderful time. Well, if you, um, just to give our uh, younger viewers a little perspective too, when that first Superman, Christopher Reeve movie mm-hmm. came out, um, I remember being in the movie theater, just being blown away by the credit sequence. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, how, how often did you see like this crazy animated 
epic credit sequence coming at you with, and a great, this, with this beautiful and a great theme. score. Yeah, yeah this beautiful and. Uh, um, also, you know, you just believe like, oh my God, this, this, he can really fly. It's like, yeah. super, and, and it's, yeah. you know, the, these effects that you just haven't seen before. Wasn't that part um, of the ad campaign where it said yeah, like, you will, you believe, will believe, you believe a man, a man, can, man can, fly. can fly. Exactly. And, and you know, it, it and it, it's, you get back to the discussion sometimes about effects and, you know, the, how, how they increase and they're dated, you know, when you look at them with, through contemporary glasses, like, you know, the original King Kong in the thirties, they mm-hmm. originally, um, thinking of leaving out the spider sequence because it would terrify the audience too much, yeah. you know, and you look at it now, well, it's, it looks, you know, it's right. Harryhausen, you know, uh-huh. movement yeah. type movements, but you know, at the time, you know, you can even go back to film history where the very first films, people were getting scared because they thought the train was coming at them. Uh-huh. Now, you know? <laughs> now, officially, that is, I believe, uh, an urban legend or not urban legend. What do you call that? Apocryphal. Uh, Apocryphal. Which one? Oh, boy. Uh, the uh, the train thing. Because, I, again, I took this film history. I'm going to go to my grave believing that. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's true. It's, I think somebody got scared. <laughs> oh, und- someone probably did. Yes. But that's I, I do feel like there's this uh, there's an attitude that we take about the past. Like, look at these primitive idiots yeah. jumping out of the way. There probably was someone undoubtedly. But uh, I think it has been blown into blown out of uh, out of proportion that uh, that rumor. But it is fun. And I do like to say it. Yes. Um, what I uh, what I love because I, I saw Superman when I was a kid and then I didn't see it for a long right. time and I saw it uh, uh, watched it again maybe five years ago or whatever um, and what I like about it especially watching it now and we're when we're in the age of the 21st century superhero and the post X Men and the post yes. the post Watchmen like you know self awareness like there's nothing about uh, about Richard Donner Superman that's trying to be cool or cutting edge it's i mean the the effects are and then that's you're talking about but the 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 aesthetic of the movie and the presentation is really like classical and almost almost corny and i think in a in an intentional way that that makes it seem like uh it, it doesn't seem like it's uh uh, like you were saying, Tyler, it doesn't seem like it's aimed at kids or aimed at a certain demographic. It has this sort of almost like uh, uh, classic Americana Norman Rockwell type of feel about yeah. about it. Like, Which is what Superman is. Yeah, exactly. Like really, and, and you know, you get the heart of. Uh, of the character in the style of the filmmaking, which is what you're supposed to do. Right. Uh, and then it, it's interesting then the history of like this, the sequel where there's multiple cuts of yeah. the sequel. And then the franchise just goes off the rails in three and four. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm sure a lot of people don't even know there was a four that, uh, and it's, which one it's has Richard Pryor in it. Is that, I that's think three. that's three. So, yeah. yeah. With, with the computer monster at the end. Yeah. I and, remember, yeah. And, and, <laughs> And last year's, uh, and then four was Nuclear Man. Yeah, last year's uh, WonderCon, the, which was here in Los Angeles at Van Ham, the bar across the, the Mexican restaurant and bar across the street was showing Superman three. Uh, when I went over there for lunch, I ended up watching like the second half of Superman three. Remember the, the back poster of the for Superman three, where he's <laughs> just carrying Richard Pryor and it was, flying. I remember uh, I worked at a video store, and so we had all the Superman movies. And and if you look, if you line them all up, like the first one, the cover was and this was you know vhs the cover was him like flying towards the camera with like one fist out right second one both fists out fourth one he's flying into space ripping apart a nuclear warhead like third one here's he's carrying scared richard Pryor, <laughs> yes. and it's like wow this really stands out but it also lets you know like what they're trying to and that's be this speaks to what i what i'm talking about they're like 
they're playing up the role of noted comedian Richard Pryor. Yes. And then two movies before you had Oscar winners, Gene Hackman and Marlon Brando. Like, yep. This is, a, it's a series and it's, I think it's, uh, indicative of larger things that like nobody really knew what it was. Every new, every new superhero movie released was, f- was redefining what a superhero movie could be. Like with that first Richard Donner Superman, of course they go back to the source material and try to capture that because why wouldn't they? That's right, what people exactly. want. We're making a super, it's what people like. We're you making a Superman weird? movie. It's kind of still what people want. As yeah. it turns out. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. We, we all still like pay Superman. to see it. But yeah. We yeah. kind of like Superman the way he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, boy, it gives, it gives With, me a lot more respect for the Brian Singer Superman, which at least is trying to <laughs> kind of combine the two <laughs> things. Wow. Yeah. I, I guess if you had to pick, <laughs> well, thankfully we don't because we're talking about pre two thousand. Yeah. So I don't know that I have anything to say about Howard the Duck, but I feel like I should mention Howard the Duck because it's on, it's on my list here. Okay, yeah. what do you have to? Because it is. I mean, it's a it's a Marvel movie from nineteen eighty six. Yeah, it and, is, and a George Lucas movie. Yeah, 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 which I haven't seen since I was probably nine years old. So yeah. kind of weird that the things we just the things you just said are now both owned by Disney. Yes, they sure are. I know that they don't uh, own George Lucas, but uh, they own everything. He came Although up with. I love that, uh, you know, with the stinger in Guardians of the Galaxy, where you actually you that was fun. Him, that was fantastic. That's so. and you know what? That's the perfect kind of stinger for right. that movie. Exactly. Like it's goofy, it's ridiculous, yeah. and maybe we'll get a Howard yeah. the Duck movie. And it's a uh, yeah, and it's an Easter egg. It's yes. like, okay, you know, fans are going to love it, but you know, it's not integ- integral to the world or the plot or anything. Not at all. Uh, so uh, you know, the Howard the Duck movie is a fascinating movie to watch because it fails on so many different levels <laughs> that uh it, it's just it's one of those um train wrecks that it has this it's this just big budget disaster that you see flailing around and falling apart right in front of your eyes so for that very reason from a film history perspective it's a great movie to watch I saw it when I was a kid, and it frightened me. <laughs> and it frightened me before the villain turns into this big monster. Like, right, with the big how, tentacle coming out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah. which is really creepy on right. its own. But Howard himself, I found like, I don't like this, and I don't yeah. like him, and I don't like, I don't like that he and this human are, you know, I feel like maybe Having I'm being an prejudiced. Having relationship. Yeah, <laughs> and... And it's just, and, and that's, and it was a comedy. I think, I don't think that was rated R, but, uh, but it definitely had adult qualities to it. Sure. He reads um, well, play, he play duck. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> that, was the, old, that was the joke that stuck with me. Yeah. Play duck. Cause that was, you know, in the, in the comic book, that was the character. He's like, you know, this foul mouth, you yeah. know, dirty, you know, smoking like, a cigar yeah, and all that. Yeah. yeah. So that's boy. I don't, know who, I don't know who went, that should be a movie. <laughs> I guess <laughs> George Lucas. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, and no one said no. So we talked about, uh, feel free to, you know, I'm not guiding, you know, guiding the ship here. Feel yeah. free to jump in. But, uh, uh, do we uh, need to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990? Yes. I feel absolutely. like, yes. I don't, it's been a long time. I don't know if it's good or not, but I do think. Now you're talking about that, the original one. Yes, the 1991. Yeah. I, I remember um, I was in college when this movie came out and uh, there was a huge, um, uh, wave of anticipation for this movie and they had a college screening on campus because sometimes they would get the movies early and we would oh, yeah. see them and uh couldn't get into it got there too late at hmm. this massive theater absolutely packed could you we couldn't get in so i, w- I didn't even get a chance to see it but 
one of the things I remember thinking is like, oh, well, Jim Henson's making the costumes and are they even going to be able to move? Are they going to be puppets? And then when you see the trailer and they're doing these martial arts moves in these costumes, like, oh, my God, how are they pulling this off? So it's another one of those movies that it doesn't hold up. Uh, but at the time, it was um, groundbreaking from just the the um, effects, practical effects. Mm-hmm. The, the practical effects were, were very impressive. And, you know, I'm sure if you ever get like a practical effects historian, mm-hmm. that will probably be one of the movies that they reference from everything from being able to do martial arts moves to like a robotic head to do expressions all yeah. in the same package and make it look like a turtle. It's like that's And have them come impressive. across as real characters yes. with real emotion. Yeah. That's the thing I yeah. want to get. And get it, stayed, it stayed true to the characters in the comic book. Th- th- and I think part the cartoon, of that, though. Yeah. Part, yeah, yeah. Part, <laughs> part of that is that. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is technically an independent film. It was yeah, right. I think new, distributed by right. Warner's or whoever. New line. A, a new line. Mm. But it was an independent film. And uh, I think up until The Passion of the Christ, it was the highest grossing independent film uh, in history. It was. This was um, before Warner Brothers bought New Line. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think part of the reason that, it, <laughs> that that the, the characters are a little closer to, to Kevin Eastman's creations. Um, Michael Bay and, wasn't involved. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they say damn and stuff like that. Yeah. Like the movie has a little bit of a. Uh, a harder edge to it, which was very appealing to me as a yeah. as an eight, uh, eight, eight, eight or nine year old. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think it could be chalked up to the fact that it uh, it wasn't overly uh, uh, dictated um, and committed to death, which is I think what uh, Secret of the Ooze and the third one where they go to oh. feudal Japan. Are. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can't even remember the what is the name of the third one. It's not Turtles in Time. That's a video game. Okay. It is. I don't remember. Okay. Secret of the Ooze is it's, two. Yeah, that's right? two. It's one with uh, Vanilla Ice. Yeah, I don't remember what the third. And one the is. and the guys that are. Yeah, boy. Yeah, oh, I, I, sticks I, in your craw. Right? I wasn't anticipating talking about. Yeah, this. Talk about Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> okay, so Secret of the Ooze has these two mutant characters, yeah. Toka and Razar, not Bebop and Rocksteady. Yeah, the, who are you know the more um, well known? Yeah, characters. They're the ones that people. That no, kids like me yeah. wanted. Yeah. Uh, and they just made two weird ones. But so yeah. part three is just Teenage Mutant now, Ninja Turtles 3. Th- name the, uh, <laughs> can you name in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie the celebrity that was very young and the leader of the gang? Uh, yeah. Yes. S- Sam Rockwell. Yes. Sam oh, Rockwell's right. in this movie. And, uh, and when you watch it again, you're like, is that a young Sam Rockwell? And it sure is. He sounds exactly the same. It's um, great. It was also the movie that introduced me to the actor uh, Elias Cotillas, yeah, yeah, uh, who is a prolific actor and very talented and uh-huh. shows up in all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But a part of me, anytime he's in anything, oh, that's Casey from the Jones. thin red lines, whatever, yeah. I'm yeah. like, yeah. oh, that's Casey Jones. Yeah. And what's funny yeah. is he has never played a Casey Jones like character since. <laughs> right. yeah. He yeah. couldn't be further from that. Here's another fun fact. Uh, why do I know this? Okay, so. Uh, in the uh, in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there's a part where uh, Raphael is uh, hit by a cab, and then it cuts to the cab driver and his passenger, and his passenger is saying like, you know, what w- what the hell was that? And the passenger is in fact actor Josh Pice, Pice. who does the voice of Raphael in that film. Oh, really? So, okay. you're welcome. More trivia. That's a mm. dumb thing I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, moving on again. Guys, jump in with your list mm-hmm. at any point. Now, we so far we've been talking about movies that are based on comic books. Yes, but um, uh, specifically superhero movies, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about a superhero movie, a great superhero movie from the same year, 
uh, as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's not based on a comic book. It's an original movie called Dark Man. That's right. Ah, it's a, yes. And it's a Sam Raimi movie. And if you look at if you look at Dark Man and then you immediately watch 2002 Superman, you realize like or Superman Spider Man, you realize like oh he was he's on the same wave. Like he was trying yeah. some shit out there with with the way that the 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 camera sort of uh, moves around. Um, and and frames stops and frames in different sort of wide angle uh or or dutch angle weren't there uh, weren't there a bunch of two like direct video sequels yes. on dark man as oh, well yeah i, I never dark saw man any returns of them. Or, yeah liam yeah. neeson's not in those no but, um, <laughs> good for him yeah. yeah is the bad guy no, larry drake larry drake rest I, in peace yes is he in any of the sequels i believe he is yeah. yes okay. um yeah so here's the thing i never quite know from a production standpoint when things start because when you look at 89, the 89 Batman, and then you look at the 90 Dark Man, everything about it, not to, I'm not putting this on Sam Raimi, I'm saying as a function of the studio, everything about it seems like it was greenlit to be like the dark, weird Batman. But at the same time, because it's only one year later, it's like, well, maybe it was already in production. I don't know. Maybe it was rushed into production. I don't know, like the like in ninety sure you also the, had Dick Tracy. I'm sure the internet knows. Yeah. You ask, it. Right. <laughs> ask the internet. Yeah. Like, uh, and, and it's right here in front of me, but I'm not gonna look. The uh because that happens sometimes. You have competing projects that get yeah. greenlit at similar times, or you have ones that are uh, just piggybacking like a year later or six months later on a successful thing. Some stuff gets fast tracked, some stuff gets stuck in development uh, for yeah. hell forever. So you never know what the exact story is behind like why this one was released when it was like the, like in 1990, Danny Elfman did the music for Dick Tracy and he had just done Batman. And I guess I always just assumed that, well, of course, you know, they just want, they said, Oh, this Batman score is so great. Let's get him for our, highly stylized uh comic Colorful. strip adaptation yeah. uh and but apparently that's not the case apparently he was already he was already booked to do yeah, that yeah. music yeah i think um that happens well what, what chris is saying about things like maybe dark man is something that sam raimi was already working on and then the success of batman made made people the, the, the money people say let's fast the other this. things that happens with like screenwriters especially if you sell one script and it's a hit and it's like what about these 10 i have in my trunk that right, I haven't right, right, for right. the last 15 years then all of a sudden they start getting bought as the new scripts from this hot new script writer yeah yeah um but it happens the other way too uh because uh i, I don't know why i didn't know this but uh there was meant to be before the whole mcu back in like 2004 there was gonna be a black widow movie right and then basically what happened is ultraviolet and eon flux were both failures and the studios said people don't want to see women kicking ass in in tight leather or whatever and they completely scrapped the movie yeah and it's odd because resident evil Right, but yeah, that was. I guess so. Yes. That yeah had already established itself. I forgot Hunger about Games. Resident Evil. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because now I think a Black Widow movie would do very well, but they still aren't no, making any not, announcements. There's not one on the books um, now. I'm sure there's there has to be talks, or like maybe it'll be like a Black Widow slash Hawkeye movie. Something. Sure, there'll, there'll be something going on. Like, That'd be neat. I'd like that because but, you're seeing a lot of now is uh, even in these solo movies the cameos, but they're getting more prevalent. Like. If you saw the new Spider-Man trailer, Iron Man is all over that Spider-Man trailer. Mm. And, you know, for the new Thor Ragnarok movie, Hulk is in it for not a cameo, for a significant portion of it. So um, I I really think now 
they're, they're just kind of hedging their bets. Like, well, are you lukewarm on Spider-Man? But we already know you like Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah, Iron Man. Right. He's in it. So just yeah. come, come see him. Yeah. And very much like, look, we know nobody really likes these Thor movies that much, <laughs> but we know you like the Hulk. So yes. stay tuned. <laughs> and Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Um, and he had his own movie, but we're never giving him another one. So yes. enjoy him here. Uh, in terms of black widow and having a, uh, uh, female led, right. Uh, Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. So we've got, Captain Marvel in the works. You got Miss Marvel coming out. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. you've also got Ant-Man and the Wasp, right? Yeah. So yes. Does that mean the not Wasp? The, not the Wasp and Ant-Man though. <laughs> it's right. Still Ant-Man but I'm and saying, the Wasp. is the Wasp going to be the first female Marvel MCU character to top line, to have her name in the, uh, uh, in, in the title of the movie? Like that's, I mean, I'm all for it. Uh, I like Ant Man, but that's, that's actually a, a good question. It's weird could, that she's going to be Wonder Woman be out first. For well, the I'm first, saying yeah. I'm saying of of Marvel because no, you know, Wonder Woman will definitely be out first because it's coming out this this year. Right? This year, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Marvel had uh, many opportunities to beat DC to the punch on that. Maybe they didn't. <laughs> now, now that you put it that way, that's interesting. Yeah. So it might be uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Which again, I like mm-hmm. Ant Man. I like Evangeline Lilly. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, exci- right. I'm excited for the. I wouldn't uh, count on a Wasp solo movie though. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think I would want yeah. one. And I didn't even like Ant Man that much, but I'm excited for crazy. for Brie Larson as uh, <laughs> is it Captain Marvel or Miss Marvel? I don't remember. It's now. Captain Marvel because that's what she is in the current comics, right? Okay, as far as I understand. Um, but don't they call her Miss Marvel? It's a weird. Uh, I, I I haven't read enough comics. We need someone in here yeah. who, uh, yeah. who's a Marvel expert. Marvel is also Shazam, uh, but I think within that's right. Yeah, I think I think he's perished. Uh, within the current like Marvel timeline, like Miss <laughs> Marvel got Captain Marv like Marvel's powers when he died, right? Yes, I do remember when I was a kid. Captain Marvel was a guy, He's and an then alien named Marvel. Marvel, which right? is kind of silly, um, <laughs> but uh, in fact, you know what? I'm co- going to th- a lot of copyright issues <laughs> back and forth, DC and Marvel. I'm going right? to take away the kind of that's kind of that's very silly, but uh, but yeah, and uh, yeah, I, every time, and I've I've had conversations with some of our listeners who are like into comic books. Mm-hmm. It is. I got, I stopped reading comic books when I like really got it into movies. So I was probably, I was probably like 13 or 14 and you haven't read one since not really. No. And, uh, apparently a lot of developments, uh, (laughs) people are dying. People are, apparently there's a whole line of like Marvel zombies. Yes. I'm not sure if that's still going on. I'm a, I'm a casual comic reader because I love reading them on a device. Like I don't have room or time to go to a comic book store anymore, but I can throw down a dollar ninety nine for a new issue of Hellboy. Um, there you go. You know, I'm good. I, I love the Mike Mignola universe, and I'll, occasionally I'll grab like uh, the new Hawkeyes. Uh, uh, they were pretty good. And there's uh, there's, but you know, I, I, am I reading all of the Spider Man, X Men, Wolverine? No, no, yeah, I don't yeah. have time to check out everything. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm still a casual comic reader. I still love the medium. Yeah, I try to keep up, but I, I tend to. Uh, what happens with these? I mean the 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 movie extended universes are one thing, but the comic book extended universes are ridiculous. Because right. I try, like, if you and everything gets retconned, so yeah, it's yeah. like, oh wait, what, wait, what just happened? And, now, and, and also, the- if you like trade wait, like I do, instead of buying weekly comics, a lot of the times you you wait for the trade to come out. It's called trade waiting. Oh, okay, um, oh, oh, I didn't know that was a term. Uh, that is a term. Yeah. Um, then some, then you have to like think back. You'll somebody have to be like, okay. Six months ago, when I was just reading the trade of this <laughs> other one, this is what was going on at the time. These comics were coming out, and you have to try right. and like keep it all in in your head. That sounds uh, exhausting. It does get, but yes, my understanding is that 
Captain Marvel. And then Ca- they Carol Danvers the- was a fighter pilot or a test pilot, I think. And she was present when Captain Marvel died and his powers were sort of transferred to her in the blast that killed him. Uh, and now she can fly and is super strong, but she's and still, they, a, they also strong. reboot the universes too, right. like the new yeah. 52. And you know, so that's, there's that too. It's which like, that's right, the just, previous one. Now there's yeah. rebirth, which right. is the new what? one, it's the next, uh, which is, I think maintaining some of the 52 new 52. Yeah. Then they redo and everything so. again. Yeah. <laughs> David, you may recall that, uh, for a while I was, uh, we would get like motion comics, uh, oh, right. to yeah, review yeah. like on DVD. So they would take like a, a comic, like mini series or whatever you want to call yes. it and turn it into this hour and a half long, like motion right. comic, by the way, horrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it I've is. Never watched any of them. I reviewed like three of these things yeah. and I think they stopped and watched is like a wrong term. It's like I've never um, slowly read these moving pages before. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, it's like a comic book, but now I'm reading at somebody else's pace. Oh, right. good. Yeah. Uh, and a helicopter's moving in the background. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and here's the thing is that uh, I tried to, as I will sometimes do, uh, I try to get rid of these things. Like I'll just. Uh, you know, if if I've reviewed it, it's like, all right, I did my job. I paid for it that way. And I'll take it to like uh, this, uh, like a used DVD place. They won't even take them. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, they're like, nobody, nobody's going to buy them. So yeah, just, we, we don't have any tables that need popping you know up an, right now. You know what an actual motion comic is for a, a comic book movie? An actual movie. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. when you want the comics to actually move. You make a movie. It did help me though, to catch up a little bit on like what modern comics are. And, uh, I'll be no, thank you. No, th- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Eventually, uh, like there was one who was Wolverine versus Hulk. Yes. Oh, no, thank you. That thing was awful. Well, what was bad about it? Everything. Just, <laughs> just like what they've done with Wolverine over the years, just turning him into this. He was never meant to be this operatic character, for God's sake. Well, that's, I mean, that's the, the effect, we, you know, to go back to talking about Brian Singer's X-Men. Sure. Uh, and the Holocaust and all the super serious stuff that has infected X-Men comics ever since. And there's so much gloom and doom in yeah. your, in your weekly or your monthly, uh, X-Men book. Uh, it gets a little bit, uh, laughable at times. Okay. Now here's the deal. We, uh, the, the big thing in talking about this, um, and I, I don't, so having read the paper that the student eventually turned in, uh, she took some of my advice, but not the advice I wanted her to take. I didn't, specify you should do this and you'll get a good grade. Um, (laughs) I gave her a good grade anyway. Anyway, um, the movies that Batman, uh, inspired, I'll, uh, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, uh, the, the 89 Batman. Uh, I'll, I'll be generous and say inspired as opposed to, uh, uh, the cash grab that studios wanted uh, Mm -hmm. to be. Um, you know, you've got dark man, but then you also have, uh, stuff like, the shadow, the shadow, which yeah. I am a big fan of probably, yes. probably more than I should be. Uh, because in watching it again, it's like, yeah, this kind of falls apart in the last act, but, but stylistically it has the, was, that um, the, was the phantom in that? Uh, oh yeah. Phantom uh, I, never, that? I, I never saw that. Okay. It is terrible. I'm sorry, yes. David. Yes. The shadow has that stylistically like retro thing that you've like Dick Tracy has, or that Batman, the animated series has yeah. that I, I like, yeah, the shadow doesn't hold up that well. And it doesn't it have again. a CG cloak. Uh, <laughs> it does actually. And, uh, that's in the CG is not great to be honest with you. Uh, but that, that's but, director, uh, Russell Mulcahy, right? Yes. Okay. So here we go. 
Now, some of these are based on other things, but there's no question that they are meant to be like Batman. I'd right. say the crow uh, is in there. Oh, I, I would, I'll have, yeah, I have things to say about the crow. I'd say the phantom. I think it's arguable that the mask, as crazy as it is, yeah. the the city that it takes place in and the world that it takes place in is very Gotham city esque. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I'm a big fan of the rocketeer. I don't think that was meant to capitalize on Batman, but at the same time, it's use of art deco and all that might've been inspired by that. Like now the rocketeer I think was, um, meant to capitalize on the Indiana Jones, uh, fun serials of like the thirties and those. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what it, it, what the, the target it was hitting more. And it, and I think it hit it beautifully. Yeah. When I had heard, that Joe Johnston was going to be doing Captain America. I remember thinking, like, that's a good choice. Because exactly. the Rocketeer yep. captures that spirit so well. And you get so to well. see Rick, Rick Overton go, the Rocketeer. <laughs> <laughs> I forget, like, the, the like Rick Overton's in Willow, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, with Kevin with Pollack. With Kevin Pollack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His career is interesting to me. I, I just, every time we have Kevin Pollack on the show or I go on his show, I, I just, I can't help myself by except for bringing up Willow. And sure. I, mean, I know he's been in a million movies, but can we, can we talk about Willow just for a second? <laughs> sure. Oh, anytime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, but, here's, here's, oh, sorry. Uh, the Crow is a movie that I... Love The Crow. Uh, I still love, even though when I watch yes. it now, I think the 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 dialogue is just, uh, just real boneheaded. Um, and there's a, a lot of it that is a little bit embarrassing. Well, but stylistically, I'm going to tell you it, something that'll make you love the crow even more. Okay. Uh, first of all, there was, um, when you go back to the source material, the, the comic book creator, uh, James Barr, yeah. horrifying tragedy. His, um, fiance was killed oh. and this is what the impetus for the, uh, movie and for the, the character was, but there's an interview of him on the Crow DVD and, you know, here's the guy doesn't know that much about Hollywood out of it. And then he said the shit that they were pitching him of the, making the Crow movie. At one point they actually pitched a musical to him uh-huh. and it's like these producers from Hollywood, what they do is they come and say a beautiful tree and go, Hey, that's a beautiful tree. Now we want to piss on it. <laughs> <laughs> just to hear a guy, from completely outside Hollywood with this property that, and just to say that just made me laugh so hard. And I'm like, yeah, you got it in five minutes. Yeah. Uh, it's because so, he's successful in another medium. Like yes, he understands how things yeah. can operate. Yeah. And then, but yeah. I guess the crow still turned out pretty well. You were talking about the, the uh, visual element of it. And, and, yeah. the, and the, and the soundtrack and everything. I mean, I, I don't think I uh, the tragedy of Brandon Lee being uh, yeah. murdered. I mean, I don't killed. think he's yeah. that, great in the movie uh unfortunately and i think um some of the dialogue like i said comes across pretty corny but it's a movie you could watch with the sound off and be completely engrossed yes. and mm-hmm. it's no surprise that Alex feel that next dis- film was dark city which yeah is a- i mean you feel oh, the despair a- in that movie you really you feel it and it's uh um it's a it's one of those good dark gothic like yeah. all right i'm already in a shitty mood let me watch this movie <laughs> it's which was perfect for people our age because it came out when we were teenage well i guess a little bit before we were like angsty teens but But we wanted to be we wanted to be we looked up to the we wanted to be yeah we wanted to hang out with kennedy on 120 minutes Um, (laughs) but uh make her change your glasses (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean that that soundtrack is like a such an encapsulation of that i bought that that soundtrack yeah yeah Yeah. it's got uh, right up there with mortal Kombat. you got the well different types of music yeah (laughs) but you got the cure 
yeah. on there. You got Violent Femmes. You got Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. You got Helmet uh, covering uh, Suicide's Ghost Rider, right? Yeah. Isn't that what they do? Um, uh, and then you've got My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. You've got Nine Inch Nails covering Joy Division. Yeah, and then that also spawned like this entire franchise. There were um, sequels. There was a TV show. There was like all sorts of stuff. Was there a TV show? There was a TV show. I don't remember that. I remember the sequel with with, with Iggy Pop. Uh, it wasn't very good. Now, now you're making me question. Was there a TV show? I could have sworn there was a Crow TV show. Now you're thinking to, now of. You're thinking, thinking of Highlander. You're thinking of the Cape. <laughs> um, there was a RoboCop TV show. Yes, there uh, was more than one. There was a live action one and an animated one. But the animated one took place uh, like further in the future. Yes, it did because yeah. they didn't want to deal with any of the. It is astonishing to me, <laughs> looking back on my childhood, the number of things that were absolutely rated R. Not even a question <laughs> for the worst violence, terrible language horrendous drug use and probably a fair chunk of nudity and they're like let's make action figures of this because kids are going to want to want to uh want robocop yeah uh i will say the the crow stairway to heaven okay (laughs) what is that that's the drama series really when was it yeah let's see 19 final final episode may 1999 that's about right so when was the first episode (laughs) i'm gonna say april yeah i don't know how well it did now Here's a, I've got all kinds of fun facts. Here is a fun fact. The very first movie review I ever wrote was for Spawn. I was oh. on my I was on my high school newspaper oh, staff with John Leguizamo. That yeah, <laughs> inexplicably yes. Although you know what, he's the only character that has any kind of pulse. Although you know what, Martin Sheen is hamming it up pretty well. Um, so I wrote a mostly did not know Martin Sheen was in that movie. Yeah. Saw it. it's saw. not a good movie. And fucking speaking of uh, CGI capes, yeah, kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I wrote a fairly positive review. I tried to be you know I was probably 15 at the time. Uh, and I'm trying to sound really smart and all that. And then, uh, another R rated superhero movie. Was it R rated or was it PG 13? Oh, spawn had to be R. It feels like it should be R (laughs) unless they, they snuck it in on a PG 13. Um, but I, uh, so I was not on the editing staff of the newspaper. So I, I had no say it's rated R. I had no say over the headlines. Mm-hmm. So it was late at night was, as they were editing this first edition of the of the newspaper, and they decided to look at my review, which I put a lot of work into. I really wanted to sound smart and adult, <laughs> and they decided they were punchy and thought, well, there's only one headline that will work for this review, and it, it was literally, grr, it spun. <laughs> that was their headline. G, three R's, exclamation point, it spun, exclamation point. I don't even that even know was, what that means. It's, he's a... He's, he's like angry. a monster or he's something. Angry, yes. <laughs> yeah, Very angry spawn. Ridiculous. He's got chains. And I said, Hey, thanks guys. <laughs> That's, it's nice to know what I'm dealing with. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah. And, and spawn definitely. I mean, I guess I get, let me ask you this. Cause I, I stopped being into comic books in the mid nineties. How much of an impact did the Tim Burton Batman have? Like, you can trace with the effect it had on comic book movies, but what effect did it have on comic books themselves? Like, were you reading them at the time? Did you notice like, oh, these are a lot darker. These are a lot. Old, uh, I know. was reading them at the time, but Tim Burton doesn't get credit for that. Okay. Uh, Frank Miller does. Sure. Yeah. He, sure. As, as far as like reinventing Batman and making him dark in that darker tone, that was really the tipping point, the turning point really for, uh, comics themselves. I mean, there was always, 
you know, some darkness and stuff to him. But that was like a watershed moment yeah. uh, for, uh, especially for Batman specifically and then darker. And then, then Daredevil got darker and right. all, all these ones. Mm. And it was varying success too. Some characters, they tried to make darker and there was no reason to make them darker. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the the Daredevil run, I think, in conjunction with like when um, the Batman run was really successful, was really good. I mean, you've got you had literally had Daredevil um, fighting the devil, and uh, there was a, a whole crossover series at Marvel where it was uh, basically Inferno, where Hell was oh, yeah. taking over um, the uh, not just Hell's Kitchen but the entire mm-hmm. world, and it was all these uh, um, superheroes were all fighting the. Uh, the demons. But what was interesting about Daredevil, it was so dark. It was like, you know, he would literally be just in a bar, nursing a beer, drinking with the devil. And they're having like a conversation like, uh, it's like, all right, well, Daredevil, do you think what's worth stealing a million or stealing a dollar? And, uh, he goes a dollar. Maybe that may, that may even be worse. Like, so they're having these philosophical uh-huh. conversations and stuff like that could never happen except in comic books. Like sure, there's yeah. certain things, even in like the Daredevil series, you're, you're, you're never going to see that. You know, I mean, the, the most you're going to get is the hand. That's as crazy yeah. as it's going to get. You're, you're saying the Drew Goddard isn't going to be like, now guys, listen, yeah. <laughs> I have an idea. <laughs> We're going to bring the literal Satan up yes. and they're going to hang out for a while. Yeah. I the, love that the, series, the, by the way. The, uh, yeah, it, it's really good. And I, I remember the, the name of that comic. Uh, book episode was a beer with the devil. It was literally you know, having a beer with the devil. I love that. Was, I love that stuff. But, but that Gurr, it's the stuff. devil. It's a, yeah, yeah. That would have been great if that was <laughs> the devil. So uh, now, Tyler, you mentioned Spawn. That made me think of one of my favorite mid '90s weird ass R rated comic mo- comic book movies, and that's Tank Girl. Oh yeah, which. I liked when I was a teenager does not hold up, mm-hmm. it's, but there is, uh, I, I still do have some respect for how strange it is. That's the thing is, you know, when you look at stuff I, like I Spawn, say, I and, barely remember that movie. <laughs> uh, it has, I mean, Ice-T is a, right? uh, Lori Petty stars. It's, um, also, uh, a then unknown Naomi Watts. Oh yeah. Um, is her like sidekick who's named like, plain girl or whatever it's like now what's her deal <laughs> she went, what's her <laughs> shtick uh, but it also has iced tea as like a half human half kangaroo yes that's um, right m- i want to say malcolm mcdowell is the bad guy is that right i'm gonna guess and say yes um, I, I think you could yeah <laughs> you could say that about bad. almost yeah. any and, movie and, it, and you're probably right yeah and it's like a mad Star max Trek type world heroes keep where, going <laughs> it's like a mad max type world where people are hoarding water right yeah, uh-huh. and and tanks uh and, and malcolm mcdowell like figures out how to how to extract the water from a human body obviously killing them in the process uh, yes but getting more water and that's how he punishes one of his underlings by sucking all the water uh, out of his de- dehydrating him alive to death you know what here's the thing i i guess i don't I assumed I didn't remember Tank Girl, but honestly, I don't think I ever actually saw it. it has, Is it something I should visit, David? It has a really cool sense of style, and I know the 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 director uh, Rachel Talale Talale. Um, is not happy with what the studio did to it. And I, it, I do believe that there's a possibility that she could have made a really cool well, maybe movie. Someday we'll get a criterion collection director's <laughs> cut of tank girl. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, but, uh, it, it, it looks cool. It's got a fun sense to it, but it's also just a, a confused mess. Uh, a lot of the times, a lot of the time. And there's no, 
there's nothing that makes iced tea as a half human, half kangaroo palatable. It's it's weird the whole time. <laughs> <Palatable>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, now here's the thing. I've actually never seen any of the blade movies. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Well, you should see, you should see blade. Yes. Um, because it's good, but also because you want to see blade before you see blade two, which is fucking great. Yeah. And then you can just skip blade Trinity altogether. Did Guillermo del Toro do both? No, he did the second one. He the first did the one second Steven one. Norrington. That name um, sounds familiar. Yeah. And it was, it was one of those movies too, that it was so, you, you thought Verhoeven directed it. It was mm-hmm. so over the top with violence and blood and guts. And, uh, it was to the point where it was almost satirical. Yeah. I mean, it starts with the underground vampire rave right. where the sprinkler system comes on, but it's not water. It's, it's blood. blood. Yeah. It's yes. like dancing. Yeah. And, and Tracy Lords is in it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's a, uh, yeah, they're, they're fun movies. I mean, Wesley Snipes, he does a really good character. Uh, he does a really good job in the movie. Uh, you know, for what it is, a half vampire, half <laughs> human hybrid. Yeah. Uh, the, the day uh, all, all of their strengths, yes. uh, their weaknesses. Yeah. Um. So now it's interesting too, that, um, because of the deal, that uh, has expired. Blade has also gone back to Marvel. So you wonder if there's hmm. any plans to revive or put him in somewhere or I would imagine given the success of, of that Fox has had with two R rated movies, I think Marvel would be crazy not to make an R rated blade or but yeah. I don't know if Disney Marvel yeah. makes R rated movies. Yeah, but no, see what, what it could be is like what they did with uh, like Punisher. You're, you're not going to make another Punisher movie. You put him in Daredevil. Now he gets a Daredevil series. Like I could see blade being another TV. Series sure. That would be very Netflix cool. Or that would like work. That. I and think there so. was a blade TV series with sticky fingers. Yes. Uh, as blade. I never watched it. Um, um but I don't know. Rapper sticky is. fingers played, uh, uh, played blade. I, n- I never watched it. Um, but uh, the Blade movies also have people did. It uh, didn't last very long. Uh, Blade movies also have Chris Christopherson. In them. That's yes, right. Yes. Great. Can't go wrong with. Oh, and remember Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Reynolds is in the bad. The third yeah. one. The third, like the third one is like an ensemble piece, which is part of why it doesn't work. Like Blade right. doesn't work with an ensemble because it's Ryan Reynolds, yeah. Patton Oswalt, Natasha Lyonne, yeah, uh, Jessica Biel. It's I like a, all these people, but it's a just a weird ass cast. It's a weird piece together mishmash. Oh, and Triple H. Oh, uh, okay. Wasn't yeah, from, is, uh, the wrestler, the wrestler. Okay, yeah. Yes, uh-huh. yes. Yeah, I stopped. Uh, oh yeah, there he is. I'm looking. I, I, I uh, watched a lot of wrestling and read a lot of comic books, and then gave both of them up for uh, for movies. Wrestling first. See, that would have brought everything together for you. Blade three. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you know what? I think I'm back on board with yeah, all of this yeah. stuff. But <laughs> screw you, movies. If you can ever find any sort of interview or podcast or anything where Patton Oswalt has talked about making Blade Trinity. Absolutely, listen to it. It's, really, it's I'm it's sure insane. It's, it's so funny. Yeah, I uh, I don't want to burn his material, obviously. So I'll tell you guys some stories off mic that okay. I've heard, but mm-hmm. definitely check those track those down. So um, I know that we've we've been going for a while and we've been kind of touching on a lot of these, uh, but I want to maybe to maybe give this some kind of stru- uh, structure because we talked about the role that X Men and then Spider-Man, and then I'd probably say at that point Batman Begins, but more specifically Dark Knight. Like, with, with, the, emergen- with, with the, the evolution of the superhero genre, whether it be based on a comic book or an original character, I feel like you can point to very specific movies and yes. say that changed Every, everything it changed everything until the next one. Right. Um, and so I feel like, I mean, obviously Superman... 
for a number of reasons, not the least of which special effects. I think Batman. And then was it, was there anything between Batman and X-Men? Well, that, you could say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles you could put in there. I guess so. See, I, I, but I don't I think don't, it changed much. I, I think, think it, it, this is a, a false premise, though. I just okay. think because, and as you even said earlier, there can be more than one thread at one, sure. at one time. Like, sure. You talked about Brian Singer and Sam Raimi kicking off two different, very dominant, the two dominant forms yeah. of superhero movies. And Christopher Nolan, of course, his uh, own vision of Batman. Yeah. Uh, and, but I, I think that's... But also X-Men First Class, when you look at Matthew Vaughn's uh, version, was a really good uh, hybrid of a bunch of different genres. You had superhero, you had um, period piece, and you mm-hmm. also had fantasy all kind of together. I guess that's the the mark of an, uh, when a genre is established is it starts mixing with other genres. Cause like Logan unabashedly is very Westernish uh, yes. in a lot of ways, certainly tonally. Shane. And yeah, <laughs> I also don't think, uh, cause I'm a cautious defender of Kenneth Branagh's Thor. I the like, first one. I do like, I it. don't think he gets enough credit for the way it brought in the sort of the more, uh, the real like super dorky like Asgardian you know yeah celestial right. kingdom like that that type of fantasy well that realm. was you know the Thor uh, is the Lord of the Rings movies of the <laughs> right. Marvel universe yeah. I mean that's that's what they're going for um, I was like well and really it it kind of made sense because uh, you go back to his career like well he did Henry V so yeah. it's like yeah, yeah. okay this is the guy you would want to really give this this epic kind of medieval feel to it even with, although it's as Guardians you know you have future tech mixed with um, Norse mythology right yeah <laughs> but I think I think Kenneth Brennan is why the the Asgard stuff in Thor works a lot better for me than the the earthbound New yeah. Mexico stuff but Chris I want to go back right. to something you said yes about Tyler talking about certain films or filmmakers being epochal uh, in this. And you talked about Christopher Nolan, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that I agree that Christopher Nolan kicked off or, or brought something new so much as he like perfected or culminated what Brian Singer had started with, with X-Men. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think they did two very different things. I think uh, Brian Singer brought X-Men into the um, live action arena of like a big budget, many charactered, colorful, um, epic kind of, um, uh, comic book movie. Whereas Christopher Nolan, it really just darkened the character more towards what Frank Miller was doing in the comics already. And also centralized on, you know, on one specific character. So I think they did two kind of different things, but I think they were both important in different ways. But I th- and I see what you're saying in terms of the psychology of the characters, but I, I guess what maybe got me thinking about it was something that Tyler said earlier about the, the costumes in X-Men and the idea mm. of taking these superhero stories and rooting them in something that looks a little bit more like our reality. Because if you look at, like, you know, scared the the scarecrow in in Batman Begins like it's just a guy with a sack on his head like it's right. it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's he doesn't like have the whole scarecrow like costume. an actual it, scarecrow yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like and and the Joker you know wears regular clothes I mean they're you know purple and uh, stuff they're purple in their uh, bespoke he, or whatever they have crazy makeup and um, you know weird smile and scars uh, but they're, that's the thing is they're scars as opposed to just having him having the big sort of like uh, yeah. Mark Hamill Joker like you know grin. It, it, it's interesting like the, Christopher Nolan did such a uh, a tightrope walk with um, you know using these characters these iconic characters and changing them uh, just enough to give them a spin, but also keeping their inherent DNA 
And that is something that is such a difficult thing to do. Like with the Joker, like, well, he fell into a vat of acid and, you know, uh-huh. this is how he got changed and all, you know. But, you know, like him telling all these different stories on yeah. how he got mm-hmm. the scars, I'm like, I'm like I mean, you know what? I'm buying this, you yeah. know, I'm buying this backstory too. You know, yeah. it's just as crazy. Yeah, when you think of, as much as I do love Tim Burton's Batman, flawed though it may be, uh, there is... <laughs> When you think about it, okay, so Jack Napier falls into this acid stuff, mm. and then he's in this basement where this crazy-ass dr- uh, doctor with really primitive tools is like, okay, here's it's what I've got. It's the best I could do. It's the best <laughs> I could do. And it's just like, now, he might look crazy, but I have to assume, like, man, what did he do with those tools to arrive at that yeah. with the giant smile? It feels to me like if you're it's able to, to work with, if you're, yeah, if you're able to reconstruct somebody's face to right. that degree, maybe you don't need that smile. Yes. Maybe you can probably reduce that. Well, maybe before he put on it, it's like, he pointed to like a picture of like Phyllis Diller or something. <laughs> it's like, give me that. It's like when you're like, when you're the hair, you're getting like, give me that hair. You know what? Uh, David, I, I, I forget who was, I think, I guess all of us were saying this, but like the movie version of Wolverine really started to influence the comics. I would say that as far as I can tell, as much as, you know, obviously, uh, now, Christopher now, Nolan was impacted now by... Now you're going to say this after that you said you've stopped reading comics many years ago. I, I, I do go to comic <laughs> conventions, okay. oddly yeah. enough, and I, and I pick up... First off, from a function as a function of cosplay, and also for reasons I can't quite figure out, you just kind of absorb things just through cultural osmosis. Mm-hmm. So, like, I recognize that Christopher Nolan's Joker was very much informed by the Frank Miller and the Alan Moore Joker, but then by making him really grimy, uh, I feel like that influenced later versions of the Joker to such a degree that at some point. Didn't Joker cut his own face off and then stapled it back on? Like, they've taken the character so dark, kind of jumping off from the Christopher Nolan, that I feel like it's getting to the point where Joker isn't meant to be everything. He's not mm-hmm. meant to be all things dark. He's not meant to be that level of crazy. In fact, for my money, the the more lighthearted you make him, the scarier he is. When it's somebody who, when it's somebody who has like an ideology and he's really dark and self-hating or whatever, then she's like, okay, yeah, he's just another monster. But if he's laughing, like genuinely laughing the whole time, to me, he's more effective as a villain. Well, one of the best portrayals of the Joker is Mark Hamill. Damn in right, the animated series, maybe uh, the best. Yes, yeah, I, I, I think that's a, that's a good argument to make for sure, and uh, because it's also really funny and also. Uh, uh, really creepy at the same time, and uh, you know they're still <laughs> they're they're still churning them out too. Like um, they're doing Justice League action now, which is like a light version of uh, um, of Justice League. They're only like eleven, twelve minutes long on hmm. Cartoon Network. Oh, neat! And uh, but it's a lot of the same voices again. It's Kevin Conroy and mm-hmm. and the other ones. But if you look at um, some of the uh, the darker episodes of the the Batman series. There's there's a great one where um, 
you know, the Joker is in Arkham Asylum and, you know, Dr. Harley, Dr. Quinn, mm-hmm. uh, what's, uh, Har- medicine woman. Yeah. Dr. Quinn, <laughs> medicine woman. Uh, Harley Quinn. Yeah. yeah um, uh, she, uh, Harleen Quinzel, I believe is her name. Yeah. Harley, yeah. I can't, yeah. I can remember the, uh, the uh, original start of the, the name before it's dumb. Harley Quinn. Yeah. It'll be Harley Quinzel. Yeah. It'll be something very similar to the, to the villain name, <laughs> like uh, Edward Nigma. Oh, I get it. I got it. Uh, so, um, there's a great animated episode where he basically turns her where she's the psychiatrist mm-hmm. and then she's the one that ends up on the uh, couch and then, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's where it goes from there. But Harley Quinn, huge, huge resurgence in her character and invented it, in the animated series, not yeah, in the comics. That is yeah. something that fascinates me. That's like, uh, to me, as strange as it may sound, that's like the Wolfman. Mm-hmm. Anything we think about werewolves full moon silver bullet you know if he bites you you become one mm-hmm. we many of us probably just assume oh well that's just lore no almost all of that started with the kurt siodmak script for the wolfman in the 40s he just created this shit and it caught on so much that that is like a huge part of all werewolf lore now <laughs> and so in the same way there are people that Harley Quinn is is like such this iconic character now that it's hard to believe that she didn't exist before Paul Dini just thought, hey, what if we gave Joker Joker like this this weird female Mm -hmm. sidekick? Right. And then I will... I will complain once more about, do you go to Comic-Con or you go to, uh, I do. you do. Year, okay. yeah. Are you going to WonderCon? So I'm not going to WonderCon. Okay. One a year is enough for me. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Can't argue with you. Um, but, uh, so I went, this was like a couple years ago and I went to a panel and it was like great villains. And I'm a big fan of discussion of villains. So mm-hmm. I go and, uh, <laughs> I'm probably going to get angry as I say this. Sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, and, there was a there, uh, somebody there was, during the Q and A. Somebody came up and said, "Like who who are some of the great female villains that you think?" And uh, and one person I don't remember. Uh, somebody threw out a name that I thought was was pretty good. I w- I don't remember what it is now. And was then it, one guy was it Annie Wilkes? I think they might have brought that up. I think uh, you, you told this story yes, before. Okay, I feel yeah, like yeah. that came up. And uh, so it's like okay, that's good. Um, and then this one, then one of the panelists. It's frustrating because he puts so much thought into it. He's, he goes, well, you know, hang on. He goes, I think, you know, and he's just like hedging and hedging. He's like, I got to say, you know, who's really been sticking out to me? I got to, I think is Harley Quinn. And I want to be like, Har- oh, that's what's sticking out to you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the comic convention yeah. where every fifth person is dressed yeah, like are, Harley Quinn? Are you like Steve Carell and Anchorman just saying things you're looking at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are probably eight of them in the audience. It, right. it, it just... That's the thing is I feel like so many of these characters, maybe this is why I, I mean, Wolverine was my character as I, as I was growing up, I loved him. And now I, you know, I don't care that much about him. I like what Hugh Jackman has done with him, but just, I feel like so many of these characters get overexposed and I guess some people don't care about that. Some people will see anything that this character is in, but it's just, that's not me anymore. Um, well, at some point too, I mean, Hugh Jackman pretty much just said goodbye to the character with this, uh, last film. However, yeah. you know, you never know what could happen. And you right. know, in the, yeah. the cinematic universes, it's like when Stephen King says, this is the last book I'm ever writing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was like 28 books ago. Right. Yeah. Um, we, we should wrap up. But, okay. Uh, I, I meant to interject this earlier. You were talking about, Edward Nigma and Harleen Quinzel or whatever. Yeah. One of my favorites, I don't know if you know, the before Natalia Romanova, the nineteen forties Black Widow. Do you mm. know what her name was? No. Claire 
Voyant. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> that's 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 borderline like bad James Bond villain. <laughs> right. You know. All right. So, you guys got anything else you wanted to to say on the topic before we wrap up? Uh, let's see. I would just say guilty pleasure, the original Punisher movie. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'll say the nineteen ninety. Uh, Captain America is horrible. Oh, I okay. saw it. I thought you were going to go was with that, Guilty Pleasure. Oh, my no. God. Oh, my gosh. Was that the Roger Corman one? Yes. Oh, wow. Hard to yeah. believe that it's uh, turned out so poorly, but yeah. uh, my brother and I rented that, so I was young. Mm. And when I was young, almost every movie was pretty good. I was, I was just happy to be, wa- be watching movies. I watched that Captain America, and even at age eight, I'm like, this, this, is, this terrible. is pretty yeah. awful. Yeah. So, I watched the Fantastic Four one he did. Which, uh, did you see that documentary, uh, Doomed, which is all about the, the no. making of that? No, but I, I got it like a bootleg copy of the film. I actually yeah. watched it. Oh. It's unwatchable. There is a guy, I love the way he sums it up. He says, he's like, Roger Corman has released some of the worst movies in the history of the world. There is only one movie he has never released, and that's the Fantastic Four, <laughs> which is so much better than any of the, than many of these other films. Uh, but anyway, all right. so okay, so I like the idea of recommending a guilty pleasure. I'll say on the level of the Punisher, I would say Tank Girl is worth watching, even though it is overall a failure. But okay, it's worth, uh, hang on, giving me... a shot too. Well, real quick, I'll tell people you can find us, of course, at BattleshipRetention.com, as we talked about earlier. You can email us if you have any uh, questions for our video mailbag segment. Ask B- Ask BP. Right. Um, email them to me, David at battleshipretention.com. If you have anything else at all, email it to Tyler at battleshipretention.com. I guess that's uh, how I'm it works. I'm on Twitter out. at Davey Pretension. Tyler's on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. What's your guilty pleasure pick? Uh, you know what? I'm going to reiterate. I'm going to say The Shadow. I don't think I feel that guilty about it. It's, it's far from perfect, but I think it's worth watching. It's got Peter Boyle in it. Got Peter Boyle in it. And <laughs> Tim Curry. Um, and then you've, you say so you're Tyler Pretension. You've got uh, more than one lesson and worth right. playing for. Yeah. Anything you want to plug there? Uh, so I've sort of backed my way into a weird, uh, war movie, uh, series. I didn't mean to over a more than one lesson. Yeah. So rogue one. And then this week, uh, Kong skull Island and then next, pardon me next week, uh, hacksaw Ridge. Okay. I didn't mean to do this. It just kind of turned out that way. Well, trip tick indeed. Um, Chris, uh, where can people find you on the internet and find stuff you're working on? Um, at Chris J. Mancini online.com. And of course you can find us at comedy com, And I'm on Twitter at Chris J. Mancini. What does the J um, stand for? John, John, mm, fair enough. Catholic. Oh, God. Catholic. <laughs> What's your confirmation <laughs> name? Luke because of star wars yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's in the bible but uh but mainly it was because of star wars yeah obviously. mine's gregory uh, yeah but one thing Ooh. i wanted to mention is that this is going up uh soon um involved in a kickstarter that's only got about seven days left uh a bunch of graying sitcom writers came to me to help them out with a um a satire political show about a right-wing talk show host who uh, works out of his garage and he's trying to get onto the Trump network that he knows is going to exist in the near future. Uh-huh. And it's starring our show friend, Bill Dwyer, who's friends with oh, the shows. Yeah, and yeah, uh, it's, uh, we're only looking for about $5,000 to do the uh, pilot presentation in the sizzle. It's almost halfway, probably by now it's about two th- two-thirds halfway there. Uh, but it needs your help to get over the finish line. It's Alton Wright 
Fight and Friends on Kickstarter. Okay. And if you could throw a five or a tenner at it, it would definitely be uh, great. You get hats, bumper stickers, or whatever the rewards are. It's not my Kickstarter, but I'm involved in one of the writer-producers. And it's so weird to be talking to um, sitcom writers from, like, Bosom Buddies, Alice, the Jeffersons, oh, wow. and they want to all just do this this uh, parody, this satire show. Yeah. And, teach, and now I'm teaching them how to use the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but check it out. It, it's a really fun show. There's a great video by Bill Dwyer at the beginning um, that he just kind of pitches you on his right wing show. <laughs> and uh, it's Alton Wright and Friends on uh, Kickstarter. All right. That's exciting. Yeah. Thank you uh, so much for being here, Chris. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 